We are making the most of our long-distance endeavor. But I sense in Spock a desire to explore his human side. So I've been attempting to introduce experimentation into our relationship in an effort to, as humans are apparently fond of saying, spice things up. I've been doing research on human sex. What? Garnigan with me scrambling through the Jeffrey's tubes are Bill Woywad, Adam Bowen, Emily Bowen Marler. Welcome to Strange New Takes. Today we're covering the seventh episode of the first season of Strange New Worlds, The Serene Squall. Make sure to follow us on social media at Strange New Takes on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell your friends about the pod. Uh, and while you're at it, uh, why don't you give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts? Uh, and this is the point where I need to tell you, uh, we're going to spoil this episode. We are going to spoil other episodes of Star Trek and maybe other things. We were talking about Star Wars a whole bunch right before we started this. So let's see how, how we go here. All right. Thanks, Adam. And as Emily mentioned earlier, we're talking today about The Serene Squall, the seventh episode of the first season of Strange New Worlds. First aired on 16 June 2022. It was written by Bo DeMaio. And Sarah Tarkov. It was directed by Sydney Freeland. And the uni- universe date is 2259. And I never get tired of reminding you that star dates do not matter in Strange New World. <laughs> All right. So we always start our episodes with our Strange New Takes. So Cruz got a Strange New Take for me. Uh, well, this time I have a, an obvious one that I, could, I can bring up. So I... I have been kind of ashamed of my backyard for quite a long time. Uh, Weeds grew up in basically every single square inch of that backyard, uh, including our our, uh, uh, permeable pavers that we have. And I broke down and just paid someone to take care of it for me. And it looks amazing. I want to go see now. uh, They just like went to town on it for like a day and it, it's it is greater than uh i could have possibly imagined so uh very excited about it uh chickens had some good time in it and yeah do that uh the other part uh for the episode uh i got suspicious the moment that uh uh that aspen showed up in their underwear uh uh to uh (laughs) just sort of like continue the rest of the episode uh, so yeah, that's, that's when I learned that something was, was up. I, hey, there is a long, proud tradition of cat suits in Star Trek, you know. That was so my strange new take. Yeah, I was just like, I was going to say like, every, just oh, everyone's counselors, everyone's like, oh yeah, counselor, skin tight outfit, makes sense. <laughs> Finger guns. Like, you know. <laughs> Oh, are you? That was that your whole strange new take. You didn't have like I, a I, new. I gotta like, think about a new life. one now. I'm like thinking. Well, what about um, for I mean, your we real can just life? all have a group strange new take. <laughs> that was our take. Yeah, everyone hold hands. Um, okay, first of all, I'll just. What you know? What Adam? I'm gonna steal yours now. 
always pay people to do stuff when you when it's great. I am a huge DIYer, but honestly, there is nothing quite like a professional just doing it for you uh, and getting it right the first time. Typically, uh, that is the truth. The worst is when you pay someone to do something, and then you have to do it yourself afterwards. Yes, that happens to me all the time. So maybe there aren't good people in this part of the country. I don't know. It can happen. It can very much happen. And so I am, yeah, it, it takes time to, I think, uh, sometimes find the right people. Uh, anyway, for the episode, hmm, this kind of was like the Reavers from Firefly on Star Trek, kind of, you know, like mm. the, the Serene Squall were basically the Reavers. All right, I'll leave it at that. Okay, okay. Um, so I don't know if any of you will agree with me, but summer worst season is the worst season of the year. I hate it so much. It's awful. Maybe I've shared this strange new take in the past because I think it every time it hits summer, whatever happened to June being a nice month? No, no longer. June is a hellhole. Anyway, I hate this season so much. (laughs) I'm sweaty. sweaty, so, So yeah. Ugh, like I just, you, I just can't feel good about myself in the summer. It's terrible. Like sweat everywhere and bright red face and just no good. I'm worried that I stink, you know, no good, no good. Take two showers a day. <laughs> I don't have time for that, but I got to do it anyway. So yeah, I hate the summer. I do. I think someone made this comment that it's like ingrained in us from being when we were kids that summer was the best because it's when we didn't get to have school. But like objectively, it's actually a terrible season. So um, and for the episode. So, you know, it's funny. I knew something was up when she came in to talk to Spock because that was weird in his quarters. I was like, uh, this feels like boundaries like, <laughs> like this doesn't feel right. But I didn't so, quite catch on to what was going on until like literally a split second before um, the computer controls got sent back to the bridge. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so I, I knew yeah. something was weird, but I didn't quite connect exactly how awry it was about to go. So, you know, oh, well, <laughs> quick note on pronouns. Jesse James Keitel, the actress playing uh, Dr. Aspen, goes by both she, her and yes. they, them pronouns. Yes. Dr. Aspen goes by they, them pronouns. So, oh, that's right. So far as we know. So. That's right. That's right. Quick note on that. But yeah. All right. Bill, yeah. what you got? I'm I'm always completely surprised by plot twists in TV and movies. Every time every, people are like, oh, I saw that coming. Like in the first, it's like, no, it totally surprised me every time. <laughs> Never see it coming. Uh, uh, so I'm going to kind of mix my strange new takes for this week. So I've really been reflecting, trying to do like, a root cause analysis on why strange new worlds work so much better than uh, discovery and, and Picard, to be honest. And cause like, you know, they have good writers, right. Or they're, or they're, they're hiring from the same pool of talent. Right. I mean, maybe on the margin, they've done a little bit better job hiring for strange new worlds, mm-hmm. but, and it's not the act. I mean, I think that the actors on discovery are awesome. You know, I think they've done a great job, but, you know, so it's something about like a mix of the premise and the showrunner and maybe just some kind of ineffable chemistry, just kind of getting it right. Um, I don't know. But yeah, uh, I, you know, we're, I guess we'll give our ratings at the end, but I just love this one. I thought it was, I thought it was a blast and really well done. 
Yeah, I have to I have to agree with you. I've also been thinking about the same thing. Why am I enjoying this show so much more? Maybe I'll have a little bit more to say about that when we go into our ratings and, and throughout this episode, of course. So, yeah. all right, here's the episode summary from Memory Alpha. I think they've reined in whoever was writing these because I'm looking on the screen and it's two lines and one one word on the third line. So I think, I think this one might be a little tighter. Uh, while on a dangerous humanitarian mission, the crew of the USS Enterprise stumbles into a harrowing game of leverage with the Quadrant's deadliest space pirate. See, that's much better. It wasn't like, while on a dangerous humanitarian mission led by a Starfleet counselor, Captain Pike is then captured, and then there's Spock has a love interest, and this and that, and like, you know, it's like, no, it's just just a sink. Tight, tight. So, uh, thank you, Memory Alpha. All right, we had we had... Kind of two plots on this episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it together, yeah, yeah, sort of. And I didn't, I didn't really expect there to be two plots. Like it, it really kind of seemed like it was just the one, and then it kind of just split off. And one plot was kind of hijinks see and the other one was kind of pseudo serious. Well, I, I was going to say like, one, one quick note. I think the C plot is the fact that Stan appears in this episode. I don't know if y'all caught that. I totally did catch <laughs> oh, that. Oh, I caught that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that's the C-plot here. <laughs> and, well, and then there was someone else who showed up in the episode, too, right at the Don, Don, was, there, Don. was there somebody that we might know from somewhere in Star Trek canon? <laughs> what does Star Trek need with Cybok? <laughs> what, what we should nice. have had is we, we should have had the subtle reveal of God uh, being shown exactly. in this episode. <laughs> like the sun is just behind Cyborg and he's just like beaming. <laughs> All right, so let's 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 jump in as as when we open the episode and through through the first I think like quarter to half of the episode we have the kindly Doctor Aspen helping us. Helping uh, some kindly colonists who have come across some hard times. And I think just as Dr. Aspen plays with Spock's and the crew's emotions, they're also playing with our emotions as the viewer. Because this episode really seems like one of... It's, it opens like it's going to be an, a serious action episode, right? We've seen this before, basically, mm-hmm. is what I was thinking. Yeah, we have like the the tents like flying in uh, into the uh, asteroid field and uh, sort of getting comfortable with like oh we're gonna get have some like tight encounter type things. But uh, only only blind date close like yeah not, not <laughs> right. <blind date> close. <laughs> that that was a fun theme that they they kept bringing up mm-hmm. uh, is is sort of like that uh, uh, yeah because uh, I'm trying to remember the. Uh, at, later, later on, they oh. said, uh, uh, "Oh yeah, something about date. a third date." But I, yeah, I've I can't remember exactly. No, why. I totally know what you're talking but about. Yeah, I remember I, that too. Uh, when I when I saw the the preview from last week, I thought we were going to get like Tholian web type stuff happening here, but uh, it, but with blue lasers instead of uh, yellow ones. But uh, didn't quite go there. It was very Tholian web reminiscent. It's very true. Mm-hmm. Ooh, was there some sort by. of motorcycle going by someone, <laughs> someone getting so. assimilated that was me you can't see it, it's off camera but I revved my motorcycle a little bit because I was just in the mood I was wondering why you were doing this in your garage <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it kind of reminded me of honestly the opening of Star Trek Generations where they have the two colony ships and one of them or the, the, the Elorian ships and one of them blows up 
mm. uh, because of the uh, the ribbon, and, and they have to save the one that's left. And it, I was kind of like, okay, they're going in that direction. And even, you know, throughout the episode where we get to the point where the Enterprise gets taken over, you're still thinking, like, okay, this is going to be an action episode, which is serious tonally. And then it kind of goes off the rails a little bit. But uh, I guess we'll get there in a moment. The uh, on In the beginning of the episode, in fact, the cold open, and throughout, right up until the end, one of the major other themes is Spock's um, identity. And I think this episode takes a very unique way to explore it without explicitly saying that it's taking that very unique lens. Do, do, did any of you uh, others think about that? I, I totally agree. Um, you know, it's something that's been done a million times in Star Trek, but yet they managed to do it in a creative way and I think added something new to it. Um, and, and kind of in parallel to that, there's also this trope, this kind of small universe trope with all Vulcans being related to Spock or Sarek somehow. And like, I think there's like 15 people on Vulcan and it's all because like, you know, like to is like the jail guard for Cybok and it's like every, you know, it's like, what are the odds? Um, but actually that seems like on, a conflict on, of interest. Yeah. Right. But, but on, on that front, I think equally, um, uh, they did a pretty good job kind of, I don't know, we, weaving that, that net of kind of character intrigue um, around Spock. So, yeah, I, th I thought it was very well done. And I thought the, um, you know, we're talking a little bit about the writing and our strange new takes. You know, the, the scene with Dr. Aspen talking to Spock about Spock's kind of identity. And he's, you know, he's like, well, if I'm not Vulcan mm -hmm. or human, what am I? And Aspen's I'm like, well, Spock. you know, maybe you could be your own thing. <laughs> that's not, you know. And of, of course, the the kind of, you know, metaphor, double meaning there is, I, th I think, not lost on anyone who watched it. But they didn't go out and just say it, I think, as they would have on Discovery, right? <laughs> it wasn't like 100% right, right. exposition. <clears throat> and, and, and just to come out and say it, like, I think the, a non-binary character, and a non played by a non-binary actor, talking to Spock about not having this binary choice mm -hmm. in who they are or what they choose to be. I think that's really powerful and in fact gives us a whole new lens to like think about Spock's kind of identity and allows us I think to associate Spock's struggles with questions that are being asked by people around us, our friends, our colleagues, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 I agree. And, I thought it was very well done. <clears throat> and and I think I think like furthermore it was it was satisfying to have a like a non-binary character where they were able to provide a unique uh, perspective, but the episode wasn't about them being a non-binary character. Uh, like it, it, I feel like I'll, I'll often Discovery when they have uh, when they have sort of had like the first instance of somebody uh, in the show. It's sort of like the episode is is a little bit of like a very special episode about about this and uh, what. So it it was. Uh, this felt like a very effective way to uh, have a character that has a different sort of way of thinking about identity and uh, just using it to its full, uh, full advantage. So yeah, I, I, I really liked that. And I, and yeah, for most of Star Trek, it really has been when we've examined uh, Spock or any other person who is uh, like half of one culture and half of the other it's there they are hard leaning into one or the other and don't often sort of think about uh what if i didn't really have to do that yeah yeah so 
you know, taking it back to the plot for a second, I think there, I, I don't know if this is intentional or if this is just in my head, I'd be interested to get your takes on it. But I watched this one twice. I enjoyed it so much. And on my second watch, I thought, man, is Aspen trying to like kind of soft recruit Spock or is she testing him to see, you know, if, I don't know if he's super loyal to Vulcan or, mm-hmm. um, or Starfleet or, or what. And I, it seemed, it seemed like they kind of were, but that wasn't explicitly stated in the plot. So maybe I'm reading into it too much. I mean, like, was there interest in Spock just because they wanted to use him as a, you know, as a trade yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know if or if like I didn't think about what you were saying, Bill, but there really was something interesting about Aspen's interest in Spock. Like, I don't know. I mean, I think I think number one, Aspen is married to Spock's brother. So like it's kind of like um, I, I I don't know if there's kind of some transference there or something like it, maybe. But I think. I think that the over you can also think about it as like Aspen manipulating Spock, right? Like using their emotions again to kind of suggest a little chemistry so that there's more kind of uh, emotionally compromising feelings on Spock's side, which require which means that Spock will maybe analyze the situation in a more biased way when it comes to like saving Aspen or like, you know, basically playing the savior. Uh-huh. which is exactly what Aspen wanted him to do, right? Well, and, so, like, what's what's interesting is that, I mean, I, I guess I, I don't know if how much has been established canon-wise of, like, did Cybok and Spock really know each other very much, or is it mostly just a fully estranged, uh, like, I know that I have a half-brother, uh, but but didn't necessarily, like, grow up together? In, in the movie, he does say there is a line about them growing up in the same household at least uh for for some years okay I so forget, yeah, I forget it, what he it, says exactly but it, they do say that yeah is yeah, Cyborg so I, younger like it, it or makes, older uh i, I think sh- older i never remember anyway because they said out of wedlock in this episode so yeah. um but it I, what's interesting is it seems like that can make spock a better mark for uh angel because uh, they can draw on the the knowledge that Cybok has of Spock and has probably talked about him before. Yeah. So, like, it can give extra ammunition to mm-hmm. the ability to manipulate him, which I thought was uh, uh, like like that's that's part of what felt so satisfying about this. The twist at the end was uh, it was sort of like oh we get to reveal a character, but also like oh I kind of get why this was so effective. Can, can we just also, I, I, I just want to take a little bit of a side note into Angel's portrayal here. But I feel like they took all of the Deanna Troy, like, horrible tropes and inserted them into a single episode. We have the, like, damsel in distress kind of like, just help me help people. And then you had, like, the, you know, the, 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 all of the, the ways that they tried to make Deanna look sexy, like bare midriff, sweaty exercise, just like randomly losing pieces of clothing, like throughout the episode, tight skin fitting outfit. And so I feel like it was just kind of, I, I think someone was like, let's take Deanna Troy and like pop Deanna Troy's character on their head and and put them into this episode. <laughs> and uh, first of all, Jesse James Keitel, 
incredibly attractive actress to play this role as well. So it was just like, I feel like Jessie really like commanded the screen every time she was on there. And it was just, I, I just really enjoyed the way that also Angel sw- the switch flips when, mm-hmm. when the identity is revealed. And it's just a whole different character. So an incredibly talented actress to bring into Star Trek. I think what looks like a recurring actor, uh, character. Yeah, I, I, I de- it definitely seems like that's what they're setting up. And I'd, I'd love to see that. So just a, a quick note on the symbolism there. Uh, so, you know, Angel, this, and by the way, I, somebody posted this on Reddit. This isn't my own original thought. You know, Angel has like the black hair and the black outfit and then Chapel has like the platinum hair and the white, you know, almost cat suit. Um, and it is kind of interesting, you know, the the juxtaposition there kind of, you can even imagine them like sitting on Spock's shoulders, whispering in, <laughs> in his ears. <laughs> uh, how like Christian normative of Star Trek to make the chapel character, the angel uh, chapel, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at least chapel Christine. has issues and, and uh, Christine chapel. Is, like, oh my gosh. I totally <laughs> never thought of that before. <laughs> Um, also, I guess this is the point at which to say also like Jess Bush again coming through playing her character incredibly well. And it was just another kind of very ripe playground for Christine Chapel to like really thrive in an episode. Um, I, I really enjoyed all of all of I her kind of moments. always shocked when I hear her in an interview. She is her accent is so not detectable when she's playing Chapel. Like it's. Amazing. No offense to Orla Brady, but it was very clear to me that Orla Brady was Irish trying to speak with a more American (laughs) accent in Picard, but it is not that way with Jess Bush. I, yeah, I, I don't think I want to listen to any Jess Bush interviews just because I, 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 I will distract me too much when I'm listening to her. She's so good as Chapel. It is like, yeah. like you're saying, Emily, it is just seamless. Uh, uh, also... The third actor shout out that I want to give, um, I think all of us have come to really respect the characterization here and and really think of this actor as the great job they're doing. But Anson Mount's hair, man, <laughs> what what a portrayal! Oh. I mean, the the, the it was like such wrench in this episode, exactly. Like, it at looked one point, amazing when up. he was getting beaten. <laughs> yeah, it's down and then it's like up again. I mean, wow. Just the comedic yeah. timing was spot on. Oh yeah, yeah, really. Sure. I mean, I mean, really, it is incredible. And then you see where Anson Mount's hair has come from in its in its acting, you know, in discovery. It's a whole different type of hair. It was a mullet in its, in its younger days. <laughs> it's really grown as an actor on the screen in front of us. Uh, I think. Oh my gosh! Do you guys? I started following um, Pike's Peak. Is it Pike's Peak or Pike, Captain Pike's hair on Twitter? It's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, there were a lot of memes, weren't there, Emily? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was great. I had a lot of fun reading articles about Captain Pike's hair this past week. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, let's let's take a, talk about one more thing before we go into break, which is T'Pring and Spock. So that opens this episode, and it's kind of, again, a theme throughout. But T'Pring is basically reading about human sexual customs to get closer <laughs> And I've I've actually read one of those books. the The Argonauts is actually uh, very good. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was that was hilarious watching how uncomfortable Spock was during that entire conversation. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh yeah, goodness. yeah. It was just funny that like Spock wasn't expecting it at all, and Tapring is just so matter of fact. Like, yeah, of course I was doing this. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect Spock doing a spit take on Star Trek. <laughs> um, I guess we can we can talk a little bit about kind of the the later parts of the Tapring. Spock encounter a little bit later, but what do you, what do you all think about Tapring's kind of challenge here and, and and the way she's approaching kind of getting closer to her partner? Well, the the only thing I have to uh, note on this one is you know they're they have a destination right, which is mm-hmm. the muck time in the original series, and so they're I it it seemed you know, originally to me that it would be quite a challenge to actually reconcile this new version of Tupring with what we see in Amok Time in the, in the, the original mm-hmm. series. But I think they're actually going to do it in a very deft, um, you know, kind of artistic way. I mean, you can imagine how this relationship between Tupring and Spock will be challenging and, and will continue to be challenging and will ultimately result in, in basically their estrangement. And now that we know Stan, Stan showed up, you know, <laughs> the interloper, um, we can kind of see that taking shape. With, with like uh, per- perfect hair in a way that uh, Vulcans, I, I'm not used to them having perfect hair, at least the, the men with their bowl cuts. Uh, it was good so, casting. He looks like yeah, the, Yeah. It really does look like Stan. I I actually yeah. didn't hear this thank you Stan in the middle of the episode while watching. I just saw him at the end where they're walking up to Cybok, and I was like, "That's fucking Stan. It looks like him." And then I looked in the credits, and it said Stan. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> what does Star Trek need with Stan?" You know. It's just... <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. Like what what was interesting to me is that I I, I fully agree with you, Bill. Like I think. Honestly, you could even not have any few further episodes and you would fully get, like, why uh, T'Pring says, like, you're a celebrity. Like, part, uh, so, uh, Spock's celebrity status was, like, part of what uh, made Angel go after him. And, I mean, definitely it was uh, even more so because of uh, uh, Cybok. But it's... Uh, I, I also, like, as a viewer, wasn't expecting to have such a 180 on, like my feelings about like who I might want to ship in, in the episodes or whatever. Like, like now, like I, I like the idea of uh, Christine Chapel and, and Spock having a bit of romance going on in a way that it felt just awkward in the original series. And earlier on, it was just sort of like a, uh, yeah, it's like a cute infatuation type thing maybe, or just like they, they flirt, but like, well, maybe there's something there. Well, and it's because in the original series, there's nothing there's like nothing reciprocal. You don't even get the feeling that Spock thinks of her necessarily as a friend. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I really like how they're establishing that they actually, it seems like are going to have a pretty deep friendship based on the things that Spock shares with her. Um, You know, you don't just share those kinds of things with just anybody that you (laughs) happen to be walking down the corridor with. So that makes, that really enriches the character of nurse chapel and makes her so much less of a, um, you know, just pining after someone that she yeah. can never have, you know, like it, it just adds a lot of depth, I think. So, but I mean, I can't be the only one really shipping Chapel and Spock now and knowing that they don't ever get together. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, it's, I don't know. It feels bad, man, watching that last scene and how upset she is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was just, I mean, just watching them make out like that. I was just like, oh my God, they're so adorable. These two have to get together. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I really liked those last two scenes, both the ones with Spock and Dupring and then Spock and Chapel, which happened in sequence. Because mm-hmm. they both, I thought it was quite well done and quite artistic. They're basically having these discussions and kind of saying the opposite of what's really going on. You yeah. know, Dupring was like, oh, that was totally okay. Don't worry. I'm like super logical about this. Let's just go back to the way things were. And Spock is like, mm-hmm. yes, let's do that. And then with Chapel, she's like, you know, like, oh, I know you would never, you know, basically want to be with me. And he's like, no, I definitely would not want that. And, you know, and it's it's um, yeah. you can kind of feel their pain. I mean, it's quite yeah, sorrowful, yeah. I, yeah. I thought. Yeah. Well, and again, just like Pike's character, we know what happens. Right. We know, and, and so we know that as much as we want them to, like, be together in that moment, they're not going to be. But maybe and... Majalis can cure uh, Chapel and, and Spock as well. <laughs> but now they're not going back to Majalis. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and that's the tragedy. See, but this is this is why the Greeks on, mostly only wrote tragedies for their, like, annual dramatic competition in the ancient Greeks. they like, this is, this is why. Um, this is why Strange New World is awesome, Bill. It's because it's just tragic, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a break here. We'll come back and talk about all the action parts of this episode. You know, all species put things into boxes. It's like you're either this or you're that. And sometimes we act a certain way to fit people's expectations, but... That's not necessarily who we are. And sometimes, like on the bridge just now, they can limit us. You are proposing I better balance my human and Vulcan natures. I'm saying... Maybe you're neither. That is nonsensical. If I'm not human or Vulcan, what am I? I mean, that's not my question to answer. Welcome back to Strange New Takes, where Emily gave me and Adam the what for for this, for, for <laughs> podcast episodes going off the rails. We've been set straight about being better when it's just the two of us. We'll see the next time it happens if we if we've taken the lessons to heart. Adam, are you are you repenting the hijinks? Uh, I, I I will be. I, you need to take time with these kinds of things. I, I don't want. I want to take it seriously and and spend real effort on this. <laughs> all right, all right, good, good. Well, so so far we've talked a lot about the like kind of emotional elements of this episode. We haven't really talked about the main plot, which is that <laughs> the Enterprise goes into an asteroid field, gets stuck in a Tholian web, escapes before then getting taken over by the Reavers, and then there's a mutiny, and then they get free. You know they're not really the Reavers, though. That's the thing. Like they. Angel talked them up. Well, Angel is Aspen. Talked them up like, oh, you really got to be where if, if the Serene Squall had set that trap, you wouldn't still be alive. Blah, 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 blah. And then like they're really when push comes to shove, they none of them were really that scary. They were all pretty easy to <laughs> defeat, you know. So Well, and like uh, something that, that I I thought there was going to be like a double twist in here where uh, because it wasn't actually uh, the captain on the serene squall that the mutiny would ultimately ultimately fail because like uh the orion was just like a rando maybe like maybe he was their cook and it's just like yeah our cook is shitty let's throw him out the airlock and like that would be the the conclusion of uh uh that that way of doing things 
and and I guess like the one th- I think my one criticism of this episode is that I kind of would have liked to see more of like this pu- the Pike plot, uh, but it kind of feels like they just like cut out ten minutes of the episode and we just assume that Pike succeeded, uh, and it's it's not really clear like how that would have even happened. Uh, given that that wasn't actually the captain of the squall. So I uh, hear I have a question. So the 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 burly redheaded Orion was didn't he say something like welcome to the serene squall? But then Angel talks like they're the captain of the serene squall and the ship that Angel left in was a different ship. That, so I was a little confused, actually, about whether or not any of these things, whether the, those two entities actually were together or were part of the same team. For like, <clears throat> yeah, Angel, Angel is the captain of the Serene Squall, but Angel just gets this other little ship at the end because they need to get away. And, and everybody else gets captured. It's like it's, you know, plot magic that, you know, so they just conjured up this little ship behind the asteroid. So so because we Angel did see the ship away. at the, we yeah, saw we saw the ship the early in the episode. But yeah, but I, but, but I, I think okay. that that's how they got boarded. I, I oh, I see. Is, okay. This okay. is this is maybe one of the things that we need to to, again, just disaggregate a little bit about Strange New Worlds, which is that the writers, I think, aren't being kind of 100 percent. Like, we must elaborate and talk about everything that is happening so the viewer mm. comes along with us. They are just being like, and the mutiny succeeds. Don't worry about it. You as the viewer can imagine what's yeah, happening. There have been seven Art Star Trek episodes that had this exact same plot. Go watch them. You'll find out how they did the mutiny. <laughs> right. But I also love the whole, like, oh, well, so the mutiny is kind of in, um, you know, in progress. And we, we, we don't actually yeah, have full control of the bridge it, yeah. yet. I thought, that, yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. <laughs> also, the fact that the pirates have a literal, like, helm, like, yes. with the wheel. <laughs> yeah, that was and awesome. All, I literally laughed out loud when Anson Mount was doing the pirate impression and the look on Rebecca Romaine's face was just like, like she's trying so hard not to laugh. But because I feel like that was Rebecca Romaine and not Una who was trying not to laugh because Una is where fun goes to die. So, you know, she wouldn't have been, you know, finding his his impression is funny. But I think she was just, I don't know. <laughs> but this is what makes Pike so amazing. The fact that he does that. Like, he does these, like, cringe dad things on the bridge. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. So, I, <sighs> I, th- I mean, this is a B-plot, right? So, like you guys are saying, you get a few beats, you know, to just kind of bring us along in the story. They don't go super in depth, but I just thought this, I mean, I thought it was a lot of fun. This kind of dumb reverse psychology Pike is doing to try to turn everyone against each other. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was just and, really, really fun. It was all, so this episode was, I mean, there's so many things. It was almost a comedy. I mean, there were a lot of, you know, moments yeah. that were really, really funny. Well, and it's th- kind of a wink and a nod to how Kirk could just like, you know, double talk the computer and make the computer go insane. You know, I mean, it's just that whole like Kirk would do, you know, word jujitsu and, and be able to <laughs> confuse, yeah. you know, things enough. And I feel like this was a little bit of an homage to that. I just, and I like I just really he- wish that the, the, the like green Orion had been like, all right, mess up his hair. And Pike was like, no, no, I'll give you the codes. I don't care about the jawline, but leave the hair alone. Go at him with scissors. That's the secret. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I thought it was interesting. 
um, like I, I was very excited as we we got into it. I'm like, is this going to be a cooking episode? <laughs> so I, I like wanted us to go like full in and have like uh, Pike like critique the different like uh, ingredients that he had available, and then like see him problem solve on like, well, no, there's not a. I don't. I'm not familiar with this type of spice, but we'll see. It we'll try it or things like that. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he wears his apron over his tactical gear. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. Um, I yeah, I mean, I think the tonal shifts in the action parts was just a little bit jarring to me. Like you know, the Enterprise. Like typically, when a starship gets taken over, that is like one of the most serious Star Trek episodes. Like you know, in mm-hmm. TNG or in Voyager, when like mm-hmm. the the Kazon take over. Okay, we're all laughing at the Kazon, but it's still very serious. You know, like it feels bad. Like you feel afraid yeah. for the crew, and here. It's like the starship gets taken over and then everyone is having a hilarious time on the pirate ship. It's just <laughs> just a little, like, it, it confronted some of my, like, priors from Star Trek, I feel like. Um, and it was a little tough for me to adjust to the, to the humor at times. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was saying. Like, I feel like it, like, Angel was talking things up, like, these were people really to be feared, but the reality was they aren't that scary. And I felt like that was kind of ultimately how, so that's, that's why they were able to do the comedy part is because they, I mean, they just weren't able to hold onto the ship very long at all, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and usually guess... those are two-parter episodes and, and, you know, and not what they're now calling legacy Star Trek. I think that just happened recently. Has, have you ever heard legacy, Star, legacy Trek? Star Trek? This is what Will Wheaton is saying all the time now on, um, on the ready room. He's talking about, you know, those of us who are part of legacy Star Trek versus new Star Trek or <laughs> versus, sorry, you oh. can't see the hand gesture <laughs> that Notch just made. But yeah, anyway, so it's, um, but yeah, I, I feel like since it wasn't a two-parter, that's how we knew it wasn't so serious. Legacy Star Trek is Star Trek, the original series, if we're being pedantic. I mean, you can't convince me that Next Generation through Enterprise is the same generation of Star Trek as the original series. So if we're gonna if you're gonna start breaking things out like that, I I think Phil Wheaton doesn't get to be in 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 it. Um, and I don't think it makes any sense. Like I'm I'm not a huge proponent of like Star Trek needs to have like lockstep continuity or anything like that. So don't get me wrong, yeah. but like come on man you can't tell me that like this era of star trek doesn't have like strong ties to what came before like i, I don't right. know it yeah, me the yeah, wrong that's way. the whole point of it yeah no I, I thought it was a weird a weird thing but that's what they've been calling it yeah. director know, from just... alex kurtzman yeah who Use knows word legacy from now on brandon did you guys hear that the, one of the characters was named braga in this episode oh, oh really? i missed that <laughs> uh, I believe... oh the alpha was that when they were yeah 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 yeah, so it's 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 uh it, it, we 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 have that reference, and I was I was expecting, uh yeah, so it's Alpha Braga Four is uh is is the is the reference. So yeah, it's not a character. It's the uh, like a planet or something or a, whatever yeah. incident that Una and, and Pike are referring to before. So, uh, don't use Beta Berman Three because that's creepy and didn't go so well for Star Trek. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I think the action sequences here were sparingly used for an episode that could potentially have had a lot of fights. Um, it was, and I thought it was just right. 
it allowed us to see Christine Chapel in a slightly different light and it gave us a little bit more like the other scene where uh, Aspen gets shot gave us again just it, it worked into the plot but we didn't have a lot of gratuitous like um, fights or action or violence that wasn't relevant just to like give us kind of tension or anything mm-hmm. like that. Well, and I and I thought it was cool that uh, we sort of used the the Christine Chapel scene to uh, kind of give us a like we saw how she was able to defeat uh, I think it was two people in the corridor, and then like later on we just see her in a room full of bodies and are just like yeah, uh, Chapel could probably do that too. <laughs> exactly, there was no like. Spock saying, Christine, how did you do this? And Christine being like, I walked in here and then I used my hypospray, which I'm holding up for you. Like, we didn't have any of that. Then the therapist comes in and is, hey, everyone okay? Are you feeling all right? Like, you know. <laughs> like, uh, I, I think I think the show is is just doing a great job of like mm-hmm. really bringing us along as a viewer. I don't know if y'all, if y'all are seeing that too, but I just feel very trusted as a viewer to make up my own minds about things. Yeah. Yeah. But. And I think as as far as I can, uh, uh, like I uh, looked up at the um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I think this is like the best rated Star Trek that has ever existed. And maybe even on the level of like the only well rated Star Trek uh, besides uh, 2009, the movie. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. Right? Maybe we can take like a second well, let's do that after after the tenth episode. Let's let's talk about the quality of this Star Trek versus all the others, and we can we can we can argue about it. Yeah. But we have to get to I think the ending of this episode. And Bill, you have some strong feelings. Did something happen? I forgot. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that memorable? I can. So, uh, <clears throat> Cybok comes back into canon. I think we we're all wondering if he was going to be erased. <laughs> Erased from canon for all eternity. But Wait, I was not thinking head again. about it because I just assumed it had happened. Right. Okay. <laughs> Which ones of you, first of all, had forgotten that Cyborg was an illeg- illegitimate child? And so when Spock says that, I was like, another sibling? What the hell? Is this huddling on? Like, what is happening? No, he, he, he is the original uh, uh, sibling of Spock. That is the reason why we're watching this. Yeah, so I mean, it, I mean that's a terrible movie, uh, The Final Frontier, and Cybok I think was not like the most interesting character. But I'm really happy to see you know Cybok come back. We're totally going to get more Cybok at some point. Maybe it'll be in season two. Um, well, it'll probably be way better than what we got in Star Trek. Yeah, this will be it's the defense of Cybok. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we need to see a new god, though. Uh, I I want to see us uh, hint hint uh, see what's what's up with like a more modern god uh, like for, for today's audiences. <laughs> yeah. I, I need them to modernize Abe Lincoln's head. Like. <laughs> 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 I mean, also, like, you know, they just showed the back of his head this time and he looks all scraggly and he's wearing a white outfit just like Cyborg from Star Trek V. Uh, where do you think this is going to go? Well, I mean, they're going to reappear, right? And Angel also, for sure. Um, I'm guessing that Cyborg had not been cast yet when this was filmed because we just get the back of the head, you know? Um, but it, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, 
ground that we have trodden before a lot, you know, in enterprise in particular, when it comes to like, um, Vulcan rebels, um, or, you know, whatever. But I think that's interesting. I think it's, it's fertile ground to, to retread. And, um, and I think that it's just, you know, if it's done right, like we were discussing at the top of the episode about, you know, all this stuff about, you know, Spock's identity and the kind of quasi familial characters surrounding Spock. I mean, if they do it well, it's great. So, you know, I'm, I'm just pretty excited to be honest, to see, to see Cyborg again. I mean, I think the amount we've seen to bring so far has surprised me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I never expected all of this. And I think that the the way that they've done it has been really interesting. I think they've made to bring into a fully fleshed out, interesting character to the point where I'm like, oh my God, why does a mock time have to exist? You know? Yeah. yeah. So so if, if Cyborg gets the same treatment, for sure. I mean, I, I don't... So so it's, Memory Alpha says that Cyborg is played by the unknown performer. So we clear, so news is clearly not dropped about who's been cast. So you're right, Bill. I mean, we may not even see Cyborg again this season. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I'm... I'm <laughs> man, it's, it's real intriguing. The, well, um, like, by the end of Strange New Worlds, will we actually be excited to watch... Uh, the final frontier. I mean, I would now be okay with them just redoing Final Frontier as a new movie and like getting it right or whatever. <laughs> just with you the know new what's cast. so funny? I had to. So Dietrich wanted me to go through all of the Star Trek movies to figure out if he can watch them, and so I determined he could probably watch the motion picture. He could watch Voyage Home. There is there is that melting scene uh, where someone's like turned inside out or whatever, isn't there? Yeah, it's it's not that gra- graphic. Oh. Anyway, we've already gotten past that part anyway. But we've watched about 40 minutes of the motion picture. But he can watch the motion picture. He can't watch Con- Wrath of Khan because he saw a little scene from Wrath of Khan and declared, no, he will never watch Wrath of Khan. It's too carry, he says, too carry. And then um, he, uh, so I figured probably wouldn't be able to handle the Klingons in Star Trek 3. Hmm. We tried to watch Voyage Home with him. He thought it was boring. Uh, Star Trek 5, I was like... Um, yeah, I think he actually would like Voyage Home now. We tried it a little too young, but he's old enough now. I think he could find it interesting. But Final Frontier, I was like, I can't remember if there's anything you wouldn't like in that movie because I think I've only seen it once. Do (laughs) it. I just can't. I just can't remember if he He would like it or not. He will be that like. (laughs) He'll be the one that loves it. Yeah, that like sad Trekkie who has to like take like who loves the worst movie out of the lot. Yes. Just like Adam is always like insurrection is good, everybody. Know, I'm like, what are you talking about? What so are you talking about? Uh, it's just so yeah, it's just because it was his sick movie. Whenever he was sick, he would watch good. insurrection. <laughs> I mean, I like Generations and everyone freaking hates that one. So like, you know, it's fair is fair. But like, yeah, you got it. You got to make him a huge Final Frontier fan. Oh, that would be hilarious. Be uh, especially well, now that we have Cybok in uh, in Strange New Worlds. I have to do it even more. Now. It's going to be cool to like uh, the Final Frontier. That's right. Oh, it's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, okay. So let's let's get to our sum up phase about this episode. Oh, one thing before we do that. Anyone else get Wrath of Khan vibes with the ship getting taken over and, and Aspen or Angel sitting in the chair kind of all askew and who else was expecting Shakespeare quotes and, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I, I did from the extras or from the crew. You know, they're just like these 
kind of i mean it's not scary at all they're super campy you know yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the entourage yeah <clears throat> also also finally someone's like we've got the starship just fire the phasers for fun it'll be awesome <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it was great that was great um all right well uh let's let's sum this up i i think overall this episode is probably one of the most seamless in terms of all of the plots kind of okay tonally maybe there were some shifts that i couldn't get but the plots all just yeah, fed into each other so beautifully. And like you were saying, Bill, at the end there, to watch the, the you know, the, the scenes where everybody's lying to one another and, and you know, not being honest. Uh, I just, I just really, I thought it all came together really nicely. And it's, it's not obvious to me. I think that takes a lot of writing talent to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So, any other final notes before we jump into ratings here? Seeing some shaking yep. heads. It's great for podcasting. Yeah, right. Um, okay, well, let's jump into strange new ratings. Uh, I'm going to stick my neck out first this time instead of asking one of you to do it. Uh, I'm going to say that this one gets a 9 out of 10 for me. I, You know what? 9.5 out of 10. It was a very, very good episode. I think that some of the like tonal shifts were just a little too much for me to like reach that tippy top of like perfect. But very excellent episode. Love it instantly a star trek classic in my opinion um would not i think this could actually be a good entry episode to someone who's new to star trek and and if you're trying to show them what what the best of star trek is i think this is the one that you pull out and say like okay it's not a pilot but here you go yeah uh, <clears throat> go ahead uh, I, I I think I'd, I'd give with go with a nine for this one. Uh, yeah, I I I really enjoyed it. Uh, pretty much all uh, all around. A uh, little little bit sad that we didn't get like a full cooking show uh, with with Pike, but uh, that's maybe why you next took time. the point off. Yeah, that's that's why I took the point off. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll give it a ten. I'd I'd say eleven if I could. I thought it was just awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, I th- I thought it was well rounded. It was. There was action. It was funny. There was kind of emotional resonance. It advanced the plot. It was just, just great. Yeah, I'm putting 11 out of 10 in our spreadsheet, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to give it a 4.5 out of 5. I feel like I need to just jump up to the 10-point system, but I'm going for consistency since... Stick with it. Since this is what I've done. It's your shtick. You, you people expect this from you. I, I know, they do. Our listeners will they be do. betrayed if you switch. And you I, I feel... Mail. I feel the need to say that I would have given last week's episode a five out of five. I just wanted to throw that out there. Nice. That's fair. That's fair. But the, I just, it was just, that was like, like Star Trek, the way Star Trek is meant to be, you know, it's like those big episodes, like the heavy hitting, like drumhead, or, you know, I mean, it was just one of those, like, if you're going to be like, this threshold. is the epitome. Yeah. You know, yeah. Threshold. Oh my gosh. Did you all watch the <laughs> yeah. link I shared? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was we'll, we'll, we'll did you watch minute. it we'll all the way through to the end? Okay, good. <laughs> we'll, we'll, let, let's get to that in a minute. Why don't you finish your point about this episode because it's a serious point or like about Strange New Worlds? I don't want to... No, I just... It was just... I'm. It was just... Yeah, last week's episode was fantastic. This week's episode... I I liked the... We've had a lot of tonal shifts across the series or the, across this season. Mm-hmm. So that's been kind of not whiplashy, but just a little strange. You know, we went from a really serious episode to a hilarious episode to another like oh 
God, I can't believe they just went there episode to, uh, hey, um, let's get the ship taken over. <laughs> have any of you seen the trailer for next week? Yes. No. Okay, no spo- let's not spoil it for the people okay. who haven't. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> Let me just yeah. put that like yeah, insane. I can't, I can't figure it out. I well, I saw the teaser for it. Like, I don't know if it was a trailer, or if it was just like a little scene from it. But I was like, "What is happening?" I watched the trailer, but without sound, and it is <laughs> it looks nuts. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm now fully imagining the episode where like is it they're being like uh, uh, imprisoned by like a clown in some like ridiculous dimension <laughs> or whatever. That, that's fear. Oh, Voyager. Voyager. Yeah. I think that's episode called Fear. If I'm not mistaken. So, so I'm. I'm expecting that for next week based oh on your description gosh. oh that's funny <laughs> well um let's keep so so for future episodes let's keep thinking about this like what is why is strange new worlds such a great series i want to i want to get to the bottom of this like what is it about this show Pike's and it hair. might might be just yes it's true really it's it's really that <laughs> actor um but but i want to get to the bottom of like what is going on here because I and it might be like more than one thing, right? Like beautiful visuals, great music, great direction, all the the parts all coming together. So let's let's talk about that at some point. One thing that we did not talk about during this episode is the whole Boy Scout thing, though. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> by getting called the Boy Scout explicitly, uh, amazing. I like that he references it multiple times. <laughs> Can I just say that I mean Anson Mount is like not only is he like you know just very nice to look at but he's also the cutest ever like like these like like the boy scout thing the look on his face where he's just like oh shucks you know kind of response but it was the same thing last week when he first sees Alora when they're in the transporter room and the yeah, way he, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm well I'm wearing gold because I'm a captain now you know I mean just the way he says it it's like almost like Garth from Winter <laughs> Okay, what what is that character where like there are female characters in movies where they're too perfect? Manic Pixie uh, Dream Girl, Mary, uh, Mary Sue, or a... no, Mary Sue's are like no, in distress. I feel like, but yeah, like Manic okay. Pixie Dream Girls are the ones oh, who are just okay. perfect, and they come yeah. in and they're like the love interest. It's like the the characterization of Zoe Deschanel's character in mm-hmm. Five Hundred Days of Summer. Yeah, I feel like. Pike is our manic Star Trek dream boy. Uh, he's just perfect. <laughs> There's nothing really this man is. can do wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like, I sit there and I'm watching him like cook food or like get take a beating. And I'm like, wow, he's amazing. <laughs> I'm just like, what is happening? I know, I know. It's, it's ridiculous. Just ridi- He's like funny. He's serious. He cries. He laughs. It's... I. Maybe that's the answer, y'all. Maybe that's the answer to why Strange New World is so good. It's just Pike. Yeah, I think it might be. (laughs) One other final point before we move on to the Voyager video. Ortega's (laughs) needs more characterization. Yeah. Hopefully she'll get an episode soon. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, and you know, uh, Uhura and especially Hemmer were not even in this episode at all. Oh, yeah. Where's Hemmer? I miss Hemmer. Yeah. Right, right, and we have, but we have got more of them in previous episodes. I feel like, whereas yeah, Ortega's, right. we've got like, oh, she's the one who's like Chapel's buddy on the vacation. So we haven't mm-hmm. got like mm-hmm. any depth there. And so, she's snarky, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed. Um. Okay, the Voyager video, Voyager, the animated series, as imagined <sighs> by somebody on the internet. It's <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> it got posted I, I... to to the Star Trek subreddit. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I I loved watching it. It's uh, they they captured the animation style just oh perfectly and everything. Tuvok, especially every time, the same exact shot of Tuvok's face. <laughs> but again, I think this demonstrates my point. So first of all, they animated the last scene in Threshold, last two scenes in Threshold. Yeah, basically where P- Paris escapes with Janeway and they become salamanders. But note how, in my opinion, that plot becomes perfectly reasonable in animated form. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. does. Yeah. It would be better as that kind of episode. And it, it, yeah. Which is, again, my whole point about how our approach to some of these stories is so context dependent. And we let some Star Treks get away with things that we criticize other Star Treks for. Right? Yeah. yeah. For yeah, sure. that's true. You know what's funny is uh, uh, Robert Duncan McNeil. He actually loves that episode. Like he loved what, getting to play Paris and do all of these things. It like, but everyone pans it and says it's such a terrible episode. But he's like, I got to do so much, so I actually really like this episode. And I know everyone hates it, but and I don't think he likes it because he thinks it's necessarily a good episode. It was just an episode he got to do a lot of stuff in. You know? <laughs> so okay, that episode is my insurrection i watched voyager as a pretty young person and i didn't have the internet or whatever to read everyone's reaction so i watched that episode i was like okay that's a little weird but whatever it's star trek so i don't actually like love it or anything yeah i don't think it's a bad episode yeah (laughs) and i don't so so that's the one that maybe i'll be the like lame guy being like threshold isn't bad y'all and everyone's (laughs) like throw eggs at this man (laughs) cover him in raw eggs you can just go hang out with Robbie and then he'll be like, you know, you'll be his best friend because you like Threshold. <laughs> hey, hey, let's not go too far. Uh, I don't like it. I think it's it's not bad. Okay, <laughs> Come on now. Let's not besmirch my character that much. <laughs> oh, um, all right, Bill, were you about to say something? No. Okay, I'm going to move on. I'm sorry, I just wanted to, I was about to move on to credits and I saw your, you, you like leaned in and I was like, okay, what's going on? But anyway... Well, thank you, Bill. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Adam, for discussing this amazing episode of Star Trek with me. Always appreciate the chance to have these discussions after we get a good episode on TV. Thank you. Thanks for hosting, Notch. Thanks, Notch. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Rudy. Thanks, Max. Thanks, Dinah. Hope you're having a good time wherever you are. Thank you, dear listener, for making us a part of your week. We always appreciate having you listen in. Thank you, Jishnu Guha, for our theme music. And uh, finally, special thanks to whoever designed Jesse James Keitel's outfits for this week. Amazing. Uh, Well done. And yeah, I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) All right. See you in a week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.